Hi there, this is Erin Nicole, and you're listening to the Move Happy Movement podcast. On this show, I interview people from all over the world, anyone from professional custodians all the way up to presidential candidates of international countries. One day, my big bodacious dream is to interview our top-level leadership in the country that I was born in, that many people climb over walls for and pay lots of money to get into and wait on wait lists for and come as refugees for. Um, I'm, I'm extremely blessed to live and to be born in the United States of America. So one day, um, that's my big dream is to interview our top level leadership, um, some call POTUS. Um, Some call a former president, if they're still alive, that was once in the role. Um, Some of them call them still current, because once you have the role, you're always called that, uh, Mr. President. And uh, it's been an incredible journey. Uh, We've been doing this show since uh, we launched the first episode in 2019, uh, recorded it in, uh, I want to say, late 2019. 18 um, with my high school choir teacher as my first person to interview on the the first version we did. um, I've interviewed him a second time on the show since we've been able to grow pretty substantially in a short amount of time. And the purpose of Move Happy is to help empower you to find happiness from within. Our three pillars of Move Happy are mindset, community, and fitness and interspersed through that is a splash of music because music is a huge part of my journey and the three pillars are actually the three healing agents that I have used through my whole life to heal myself in alternative methods when traditional mental health services either didn't serve me, couldn't afford it, couldn't get access to it, or it just didn't work in certain circumstances so and this show is multifaceted sometimes we interview guests on the show and I heal a lot when I interview others because I learn some perspective some insight some alternative methods to things and sometimes the creator of the universe which is my belief system my deity puts on my heart a subject for me to speak on um, on those days, it's impromptu. It's not planned. It's completely spirit-led. And then sometimes there's music that goes along with it as well. Because um, I love for things to be in harmony and unity and whatnot. Being a former K-12 uh, health and fitness teacher, I love things to be organized and structured. And if I can facilitate it, even better. Uh, So today's episode, I was sipping my coffee, and the creator said, I want you to go to Matthew 13, 4 through 11. And I'm like, "Hmm, okay, let me open that up. Now, I don't have the Bible memorized, and whatever your faith system is and your um, scriptures or your tenets, uh, your Torah, your whatever your, your book of life is for you and your belief system, we respect it, we love it. Uh, don't expect you to have it all memorized. Uh, I don't have mine memorized, but that's 
that's what the supernatural power is of your source, your deity, and sometimes things get told to you. So this one was in my heart. You need to look this up. Matthew 13, 4 through 11. So the topic of today's lesson episode, if you will, is on women in leadership. So keep that perspective as you listen to this scripture. And this is from the NIV translation. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seeds fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. So we encourage you at Move Happy and our nonprofit arm for veterans and first responders, Aaron Nicole Ministries, we encourage you to take whatever information you like, leave what you don't, and hopefully by the end you leave more inspired to live a life more closely connected to your area of genius, your area of design, uh, which will bring you happiness. So some people, um, this farming example, the the parable of the sower, uh, Jesus was speaking, by the way, um, in those verses. Uh, it's, It's a great example of being able to receive wisdom and insight from from leadership. And since the topic that was encouraged to me to speak on women in leadership, um, keep that in mind. Um, Some people, when they receive information, they received it in a time and a place where they are so stressed out that their cup is full of junk uh, or good stuff, um, and they just can't receive any more information. There was this great analogy of stress that I saw on a TikTok video from uh, one of those blue checked marked uh, psychologists. And she gave the example of things that can stress you out, whether positive stress or negative stress, you stress or distress. Um, Imagine them as like water droplets and they're getting put into this cup and the cup is you. And when you reach the max, you can't receive any more um, stress. So as you're filling the cup with water, you know, you're Uh, Maybe your granddaughter is getting married and um, you just retired and uh, your spouse passed away. And so you're filling up your cup and all of a sudden you're to the top and the water is now brimming over the sides. It's falling over the sides of the glass. You're clearly in a space where you have a lot going on in your life. And perhaps listening to the show right now, you have a lot 
going on right now. Maybe you've you've lost some people in the pandemic, um, either to COVID or just in life and just in just the timing of it and whatnot. Um, maybe you haven't seen your children or your grandchildren in a while because uh, the economy has uh, been a little bit unexpected for you and you had some maybe bills come up and you haven't been able to travel as often and so you're feeling overwhelmed and you're not able to receive wisdom or advice because of the level of stress that you're at. You might be in that example of the the seeds. You might be the one that gets uh, the thorns kind of take over, right? Or the wind blows your seed away, right? Your wisdom, your knowledge um, that someone tried to share with you. Um, you might, however, be ready to receive information, knowledge, um, insight. You might be seeking information and you are struggling right now, but you are ready to receive some advice and to take action. Um, we would say that your uh, analogy, you are the good soil. You are ready to receive. You've got your water ready to, to water over the seed. You're going to push it in a couple inches down and take it, receive it, take action, whatnot. Wherever you're at, just keep in mind that if you hear something the first time, it might not be that you aren't smart enough, right? Because we're all highly intelligent beings. It might mean that you need to hear it a second or a third time. I remember in my undergraduate I think it was in my motor learning class. I took two classes with this professor. She was one of my favorite professors uh, because her standards of excellence were extremely high. Um, I did not earn an A in her class. I worked my tail off, uh, but it was really difficult to earn an A in her class. I think I got a B plus. Dr. Hacker, she spoke on the definition of learning. True learning is permanent change within you, permanent and in order for it to be permanent change, that means that you've got to have a deep level of understanding of what it is that you've learned. Not a surface level where you can pick A through D and you got 25% chance of getting it right. No. Her tests were so extremely challenging. The exams were so challenging. She had 100 blank, one through 100 on this long sheet with a long blank. And we had to either know the question or know the response and give a real life example. Her standards were so extremely high. I'm so grateful she raised the standards because uh, it's been, well, I graduated in 2008. So it's been a minute. I had her class, first class, I think in 2005 and the second class in 2006. And when she spoke on the definition of learning, she also spoke on what statistics are and standard deviations and whatnot. And in order for an individual to learn something, truly learn something, they have to have been exposed to that information seven times, plus or minus two standard deviations. Now, if you're not a statistical person, that's okay. That just means that it might take you nine times 
or it might take you five times because it might be that you are right in the middle and you're the average person. It takes you seven times to be exposed to information before you truly learn it. So keep that in mind. If this is the first time you're ever hearing this parable of the sower, the first time you're hearing information about women in leadership, you might need to repeat this episode a few more times to truly have a deep level of understanding of it. Another great thing she spoke of as well, and if you are if you are a teacher, business person, you lead groups of people, whatever age, you're a parent, if you desire for them to truly understand what you are, if you are giving them like key information that they should be writing down or that they should be remembering and you don't want to keep repeating yourself, listen up. Get some paper out, get a pen, jot this down. I'll let you uh, have a moment to get your pen and paper. Okay. So whatever information you're going to share with them, be quiet after you've given the information. Don't start giving new information. You need to give them seven full seconds of silence to write the information down. Minimum of seven seconds. It can feel like minutes when you're in front of people and they're staring at you. Pat your hand on your side seven times. Because things go a lot faster paced when you're in front of an audience. Your heart rate goes up. Your physiological body starts to get activated. You might start to sweat in your hands and palms, especially if you're uncomfortable being in a leadership position, but maybe you got thrusted into a leadership position at your place of work because you keep showing up and people keep quitting or whatever. And so maybe you're not quite comfortable leading in that position. If you wait seven seconds after giving someone a directive, that will give them the ample opportunity to write down the information. Another thing as well, if you're in a position where people are getting a lot of written information from you using a whiteboard or whatnot, and they're jotting notes down, maybe they're taking notes in a business meeting, whatnot. Um, If you are doing diagrams or you're writing on a whiteboard and they're transferring that, they're writing it also in their notebooks, you want to make sure that there's not a bunch of extra information all around. If they have ADHD, it will be extremely challenging for them to focus on the key information. And they're not going to tell you most of the time that they have a diagnosis. But as a former K-12 through educator, I learned in my undergraduate teachings how to teach to students that have diagnoses because as a health and fitness teacher, I was a part of uh, um, the individual education plan meetings with parents. If they had a diagnosed condition, they had the right to have, um, I think it was monthly meetings. The PE teacher was a part of it. The classroom teacher was a part of it. If they're in elementary school, um, like a nurse, like someone, medical person, social worker or whatnot, um, in high school and junior high or middle school, it was a little bit different because they had multiple teachers. But the health and fitness teacher was always 
present because they knew the power of exercise. And so I learned things. So I, I'm hoping to share with you some wisdom that you could transfer to your business or to your school that maybe you didn't learn in your schooling because maybe they graduated you quickly during the pandemic. And now you're in a leadership position where you're expected to teach other people's children and you didn't quite get the full knowledge. Erasing extra information on the whiteboard will help that individual to just see the key information that you want them to focus on. You can also get, if there's a bunch of writing on the whiteboard, you can get a student say, hey, I need a, I need a fantastic volunteer to come up here and clear the whiteboard for us. And they want to be involved. They want to be invested and be able to help. Most people love being able to help. And if you give them an opportunity, that helps to delegate some responsibilities. I had, uh, when I was student teaching, or not student teaching, when I was substituting after graduating, because I graduated in 2008 in the winter, so in December, so then it was like halfway through the school year. So I substituted in January for a little bit, and I got uh, experience in February as well. I got an experience to um, substitute a little bit before working in this uh, construction flagging company in HR. And one of my... Um, teachers that I substituted for it was a third grade class, a, a male teacher, incredible at delegation, incredible. As a woman in leadership, I am great at looking at the good and seeing the good and taking what I like. So hopefully this information I share with you, you can transfer in your families, schools, businesses, whatnot. He had an assignment for every single student in his class, and they rotated responsibilities. He would allow them uh, the opportunity to be selected for certain roles and responsibilities. He used popsicle sticks, and he would write the job on the popsicle stick. And then students that were well-behaved, that were following directions, whatnot, when they were getting ready to transition jobs, he would say, okay, you've earned, uh, you had the most tokens, you've been um, doing all of your homework, you've been earning the right to select the popsicle stick first. So it was based on performance and merit, which was great. And the kids got motivated because he was pointing out those that were doing excellent at what they were expected to do. So the other students raised their behavior, their standards. So they got to pick the popsicle stick, and then they look at it, and um, it said, for example, um, trash receptacle or something like that, and or cleaning Cleaning monitor, I think was the title. He used cool names, like he changed the names around a little bit. So that person was responsible to make sure that by the end of the day, there was no trash on the ground, there was little pieces of paper, whatnot. They were responsible not for picking it up. They were responsible for getting the other students to clean up their areas and desks. So he was teaching them how to be managers in his classroom, which I thought was the neatest thing. So if you were in charge of 
cleaning monitoring. You were responsible for learning how to speak to your peers about how to respectfully clean their areas, their desks, um, the the area underneath their desk area. Um, sometimes like if you would pull a piece of paper out of your spiral notebook, you have those little tiny white pieces of paper that would get flicked into the air and they would get onto the ground. Well, he had really high standards because he wanted the students to not add extra work to the custodians in the evening time because they had a lot of responsibilities cleaning a lot of different rooms and he wanted to make it easier on the custodial staff and to teach the students their part in the classroom and that they could be leaders as young as eight or nine years old which was really neat some other roles that he had uh, one was <laughs> I don't know if I would do this in a classroom, but one was homework monitor. So he never looked at anyone's homework. He had third graders reviewing other third graders' homework for each other. And he gave them the key, and he said, this is the assignment I want you to grade the people's homework that turned in their work. Now, I don't know if I would necessarily do this if it was my classroom, because as a teacher, I would want to see what the students are knowing and what they're not knowing. But what he had the homework monitor do was they would correct the work. And if they had um, a certain number of red marks on the sheet. If they missed a certain number, then that was like the trigger for them to put it in a separate pile. And then he would work privately with all of those students that had a certain number, and I don't know the exact number, but a certain number of missed um, parts. Either they uh, did it, rushed through it too quickly or truly didn't understand the assignment. And so then he would meet with them, say, hey, uh, you missed quite a few on this homework assignment. Uh, which parts do you need help with? And then the student would either say, no, like I rushed through it or um, I really don't understand this part or I missed class. Could you go? Could you help me go over this? Sure. If you'd like to stay in during your recess one day, we can go over it. Or um, during the reading time, you and I can go over that. Um, so you get a second opportunity to submit the assignment and whatnot. So he was extremely good at delegation to the students, so, so much that he didn't have to do really anything outside of the workday, where a lot of teachers get burned out because they're doing their lesson planning and their grading in the evenings and on the weekends, and really their only break from school is the summer break, he had delegated enough of the responsibilities where he was enjoying his evenings after work and on the weekends. The only thing he really had to do was uh, when he met with the principal, the principal would come in, I think, once or twice a year because he had been teaching for a certain number of years, so I think it was just once for him. And he would meet with the principal about um, next level goals for himself um, and be becoming a lead teacher. So that was his next level because he had learned how to delegate and make his job easier for himself. 
And also, it was a benefit to the students because he was teaching young children how to learn how to speak and communicate to each other because when they get into the workforce, they might be leading peers or they might be younger people leading older people that have come back to work because they can't afford to stay retired. So I thought that was the neatest thing. So women in leadership, uh, what often women do is we look for the good. Men do it too, but women look for the good, how to help families, how to help their communities. Uh, We don't think about ourselves. We think about how we can help positively impact our communities. And I thought that was a really neat example of a teacher helping to empower young children to take leadership roles and uh, make their classroom like a family. They each had their responsibilities and then they rotated it. So if they didn't like that job, then they got to change it. I think he did it like once a month or something like that. So that was a really neat example. Other, other areas, other examples of women in leadership, there's, there's so many. Um, I was really blessed with parents that were involved in uh, their faith in the church. And so growing up the first, uh, up till about sixth grade, uh, we were in church every Sunday. That wasn't an option because I didn't drive and we, we were going to church. After elementary age, our parents empowered us to make our own decisions. We had autonomy. We got to choose if we wanted to or not. But by that point, I had most of my friends I was in school with. I started to go to public school. And we would meet for youth group on usually Wednesday nights were youth group night where it was fun and games and they'd have some spiritual lesson and help encourage us to do good things in the community. And then on Sundays, uh, we met with our youth pastor and they usually had assistant um, like pastors and whatnot. And that was, that was really neat for me to see. Uh, usually the head person was a male pastor, but they had uh, either they were married or they had women that would come in and from the college nearby and would be really great role models to us. Um, and just, just it was fun to have peers that were older than us that because it can be scary transitioning to the next level in life. But if you have connection to a human being that's already been there before it can take away some of that fear for you my earliest memory in the church of women in leadership was actually when I was five years old this was a a neighbor down the street they had moved Penny and her kids had moved to the neighborhood Um, I remember I was five years old when they moved to the neighborhood she was a single mom She was a white woman, and she had, at one point, she was married to a Samoan man and had her children with a Samoan man, and they were separated, and she was involved in the church. She wasn't a pastor. She was like a pastor's assistant, and one night, I was invited to a slumber party. I think it was a birthday party for her daughter. Her daughter was a couple years older than me, and... Her friends came over and whatnot, and we were all 
singing. We each took turns singing a song that we liked. And I sang, I think I sang We Are the Future, a song that we were working on at church. Um, and I didn't know it at the time, but she was one of the Sunday school leaders. And she came out of her bedroom and said, Aaron, you've got a beautiful voice. And I loved to sing. We grew up in a household of musical, professional musicians. My mom was a professional opera singer, and her standards were extremely high. Uh, Mom didn't give words of encouragement for music. Um, I don't think she thought that I needed any encouragement. That just that, not that she was being mean, but that she just probably thought that I knew that I was good. But I ha- I needed those words of encouragement. It was a stranger. It was a person that I just met that encouraged me to sing. And she said, "Aaron, we've got a we've got a talent show at church. Do you want to sing for the talent show?" And I didn't know what I was saying yes to. I was like, "Yes, that sounds like fun." So it was right around Christmas time. I want to say it was like Christmas Eve or the day before Christmas Eve. And I remember my parents saying, now when you're done singing, we're going to go Christmas shopping. I was like, okay. So they knew that I was doing this talent show and they were taking me to church. And then I was going to sing at this talent show on the Sunday. And then we were going to go shopping for Christmas presents. And I remember being on stage and singing this song. And there was 300 people in the audience. That was my first performance. And they clapped. And I loved it. It validated what I loved to do. And from that moment forward, uh, I had been abused for two years in the home from my eldest sibling. Chronically, randomly very, uh, he was very manipulative and good at hiding it. Um, and of course I didn't speak for a long, long time. I was mute for almost my whole childhood. And at that point, that was the, that was, that was a woman in leadership that came in as my angel to help bring some healing to me and the family. And I believe it, it, created a spotlight of attention on me where the the creator of the universe said no more no more will you harm my child this child is called for greatness and the creator uses all good otherwise for for a greater good I believe and about a week or two later um, they were impressed enough with hearing me sing that they invited me to be a part of this elite young women's singing group for the church and then I got to sing as a part of that group for thousands of people in the audience at the main auditorium at uh, Life Center in Tacoma, Washington. All because I said yes to my neighbor. There was a woman that saw something great within me. And I'm so grateful that she spoke words of life into me. I'm emotional about it because when we share our truth, 
there's someone that is listening to this episode right now that is going to receive this information and says, wow, I'm going through that too. Or I know someone that's going through that too. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage somebody to use their gifts and their talents. That's what we're called to do is help each other. And I'm grateful that I grew up in a home, in a family that was involved in the church because although we didn't have a lot of communication in the home because dad worked nights or worked away from the home most of the week uh, and mom was kind of like a single parent raising the kids by herself, uh, they didn't think that they were by themselves and they believed in getting us plugged in to a community uh, and maybe not, maybe church isn't for you and your family, that's fine, but get plugged in. Get plugged into community events with your neighbors. Maybe get plugged into a sport or a club. So you're not trying to do this, this thing called life on your own. Um, I'm really grateful for women stepping up in my upbringing to help bring healing for me. Safety, security, and business and career opportunities because that helped to to build my self-confidence I mean what what value is it to be able to say that you've sung for thousands of people as a five-year-old of course I wanted to continue taking it to the next level each time I performed (laughs) so when I turned nine that was the first introduction to and this elite music group that the high school put on, the music company, through Mr. Krauss. My eldest brother was a part of it. And I was homeschooled at the time, so wherever mom went, I went with her. And we got to see them tour around at different schools, performing in their tuxedos. And I got to see older women that were in high school dancing and singing beautiful solos. And they were role models for what I wanted to be able to do. I wanted to dance. I wanted to be able to sing and go to different schools in this class, right? Like, who doesn't want to do that? It's, it's fun, right? And just the, the opportunity for entertainment to be a part of your career path. Yeah, what a neat experience. There's, there's plenty of women in leadership positions that I imagine have children that they desire to do what it is that they were called to do. And if you were born to entertain, if you were born designed to perform for people, you probably started at a young age and you were probably uh, pretending to uh, do your your skits, your TV shows, your commercial breaks, whatnot. Um, And they've known for a long, long time what you choose to spend your time in and your energy in, what brings you joy when you're a kid, chances are, is what you were called to do as an adult. Uh, But a lot of us get caught up in this boring thing we call paying the bills and living life, right? Uh, But maybe, perhaps, you could do a little bit of that thing that brought you joy when you were a kid and then teach a young child that they could do it too. That's why I'm grateful for Mr. Krauss because he believed in raising the level of standards and opportunities for women 
all of the leadership for our choir, for the most part, our president and vice president when I was in, um, in high school were women. The two Katie's were president and vice president, and we had, um, I was on the board, um, I think, my junior year and then senior year. He wanted uh, music company members to be leaders to step up and apply. He had to write a letter saying whatever position you wanted. I was the historian, uh, so my job was to take photos of all of the concerts and work on, uh, they had like a binder for each year. And we would have uh, physical memories of the concert events that we had, competitions. If we had get-togethers as a choir, um, we wanted physical keepsakes so that he could keep the legacy going from year to year. Um, our librarian, Miss um, Alicia Murray, uh, she's now in the Navy and doing a great job what she's doing. She was our librarian. She made sure that all of our pieces of music that we had purchased through our business of fundraising in Seattle and doing all kinds of fundraisers. That was just one of our things we did, uh, selling like hot dogs and sodas and whatnot at the um, like Huskies games, the Seahawks games when they had the stadium built finally, or my senior year, and uh, the Mariners games. Uh, we did a carolathon fundraiser where uh, we sang in grocery stores. We asked people for money uh, to, you know, 25 cents per carol or whatever it was. Uh, we did all kinds of things. We sold almond roca. Oh, my gosh, that was terrible. Uh, we had that for way too long. Uh, but he wanted to teach us to dream big and to not allow money as an excuse for not being able to reach our dreams. And he wanted he wanted to raise the level for women. And he did. He did raise the level for women because the women started stepping up. And I remember talking to my eldest sibling about it because it was pretty funny. He said, yeah, the women were always bossing us around, so he just put them in positions. And I said, oh, they were bossing you around, huh? Well, maybe you needed to be bossed around. Because <laughs> the boys were getting into, the young men were getting into mischievous things in high school. Um, Call any insurance person. How old do men have to be before their rates go down? They use statistics because it's reality. Um, I think for men, they pay a higher premium on their car insurance until they turn 26 because their hormones <laughs> are not mature yet. And so it's not all men, unfortunately. They have to pay because somebody else ruined it for them. But Mr. Krauss desired for the women to be able to have opportunities for leadership positions because his wife helped to educate him and he had respect for his wife and his marriage. And he had children himself. And he treated us like we were his kids. One day he'll be honored for all of the work that he has done. Because there's so many of us that have continued on <clears throat> into 
big time leadership positions in different industries. Um, some education, some political, some business. Uh, but there weren't there weren't any bad seeds that didn't get the soil. Um, some have passed away, unfortunately, from like car wrecks or different things. Uh, but for the most part, we've all been able to stay connected through the power of uh, social media and whatnot. Uh, we had one of the district leaders, he retired a couple years ago, but he was a part of a lot of our fundraising events. He did, um, he was the person that would hire the specialists for the district. So your art teachers, your music teachers, your PE teachers, any uh, specialist position that wasn't a traditional, you know, math or science, things like that. He loved our group, our music company group, and he would shoot videos for us. He would go to our different gigs because we were ambassadors for our district. We up-leveled the brand of our district all around the state of Washington, but not just in the state uh, because we were known anywhere we went that we were professionals. We were paid professionals. We were treated with excellence because we treated others with excellence. And I believe a lot of that had to do with the fact that Mr. Krause had women leading and got parents involved. Many mothers, my, my mom specifically, uh, were at all of our events. Um, Natasha's mom helped sew and customize our dress sizes with Norma Jean, Mrs. Uh, Krauss. Uh, we had grandmothers that were involved. Uh, I remember, uh, I think it was Duhan's grandmother. He had his grandmother come to help with the games in Seattle. And so we had three generations working together. And she's this cute little Asian woman. And I don't know how old she was, but I'd imagine probably in her 80s, late 80s. And here she is, the last person working. She is still sweeping the floor, working her tail off because we all knew we couldn't leave unless the place had been completely cleaned. We had to take inventory of all of the cups, the little hot dog um, boats. We had to count everything to make sure that everything was accounted for. If we had spoilage, if the hot dog fell on the ground, we had to count that as well. Like everything had to be counted for. And I remember seeing the women, the mothers, the grandmothers working so diligently because they they knew who I'm getting emotional they knew that their child or their grandchild was a part of something that was greater than what they had been through. Many, many of these people were uh, in the States because they fell in love with soldiers. And so then we had uh, cross-cultural relationships and then we got to benefit in our music program 
because of the neighborhood that I grew up in that was close to a military base. And many of these, whew, many of these grandparents had either witnessed firsthand or been a part of internment camps that were at our Puyallup Fairgrounds during World War II. And by the time their grandchildren were in high school, they got to see the transition of racism being removed from our neighborhoods because of the leadership that believed in helping to bring families together. We've got a long ways to go as far as respecting cultures, as, as far as respecting women, it takes, it takes those that have the power to use their power for good. And I'm, I'm extremely grateful. Extremely grateful that I grew up in a really rough neighborhood with a teacher that believed he was called to change it around, to turn it around. They actually brought him in to get rid of the crime in our neighborhood by creating something that would bring us all together. And he did it. And he kept doing it. And each year, he kept up-leveling his level of professionalism. He wanted to get better as an individual. And he demonstrated that to us kids, where it was a legacy when I was nine years old. I wanted to be a part of it. So they would tour around to the different elementary schools and plant seeds, performing, demonstrating the dancing, the singing, letting them know, hey, we're, we're going to perform at Disneyland. Singing in Hawaii. I got to sing a solo as a 15-year-old for all of the superintendents of every school district in the state of Washington as a 15-year-old. What value is that? You can't put a price on that. So when people say, wow, who do you think you are that you're going to start this, this nonprofit in 2021? Who do you think you are that you're going to start this thing? You're a nobody. Yeah, I'm a nobody that came 
from a music program of excellence, from a man, a white man, that raised the standards. Because his wife from Europe and him had respect for all people. And he used his power for good. If more men in leadership positions would use their powers for good, those of us women that desire to share of our gifts and talents and help make this world a better place, help more families have opportunities that will help us to be able to raise our standards and give of our gifts and talents. We didn't have much fundraising last year, but I knew I knew that I was called to do this nonprofit for our veterans and first responders because I have been called to help people with depression, to find happiness from within through using my gifts, my areas of genius. And although I am a nobody, I'm just like you, a human being that wakes up and puts one pant leg on at a time. I chose to sacrifice a lot of my free time. I chose to sacrifice not watching a lot of TV to lean in to this nonprofit and provide a space for entertainers, musicians, to perform for the most sensitive populations in the world, veterans and first responders, they are 10 times more likely to contemplate and or complete the deed of suicide. And it was something within me that I knew I was called to do it. I didn't allow for excuses. I didn't allow for the limitations that my own mind told me that who am I? to start this thing from homelessness. But because I was a part of a legacy program, and I had three years where I was blessed Three years where I was blessed to be around a leader that was resourceful and taught us how to be resourceful. I did what I could with what I had available. In our first concert, we had a previous Super Bowl performer we had a singer from the finalist from the national TV show, The Voice, that is known all around the world. She was on team, Christina Aguilera. Everybody knows that person. 
you don't know that person, then you must have been hiding under a rock. Both of those people I knew from my upbringing, from high school, from the music company, and from college. And I sang in small group with in a rough neighborhood in the middle of nowhere where lots of drugs and lots of crimes were easy and prevalent. But because there were people that stepped up to take leadership positions and believed in the arts, believed in music, I had enough confidence within me, enough seeds had been planted that it was, it was time for the harvest. So we worked really hard last year. I had over 100 volunteers that I'm aware of in 26 countries helped me launch my nonprofit from nothing. We had a couple hundred dollars, that was it. We had 11 concerts last year, and I had been dealing with digital theft the whole year. Some of it I was aware of, and some of it I wasn't. But I couldn't do anything about it because I kept reporting to the FBI, the cybercrime unit, and no one was reaching out to me to assist. No one asked me, hey, how can we help? But I just kept going. No one can stop you when you lean into your calling. The only way they got me to put my foot off the gas this year was by attacking my personal bank account and shutting down my nonprofit business account. So much so I barely had enough gas money and food. because they personified as a Republican and tried their best to destroy me and to get me to be so stressed and depressed after knowing fully that I had been harassed sexually at a job. And I reported it, and they tried to cover it up. They tried to kick me when I was in my lowest state knowing fully well that they had forced my husband and I to separate months before, thinking that I was alone. But we are never, we are never alone. We are never, ever alone. I had a friend that I got to reach out to, and I'm so grateful they stepped up to help me. A friend of a friend helped me get back, helped me with housing, helped to make sure I had food. When my own country paid contractors that are off the books that should have been defunded years ago because of all of the illegal activities they have been reported. This has been made national news. They know it. They know it because my 
husband, my hero of 2020, the whole reason why I launched the nonprofit last year because of his sacrifice to keep me alive in 2020 and all of the work he put in and his friends put in that I never met anyone but him. I married my hero this year. But they couldn't stand the fact that he and I married because they tried to use him to steal from me my Project Asthma songs to get him to help me while they had someone on their team that was a plant steal it during our second safe house stay. And they tried to use me as a pawn to get information on his team because it's two different political teams that are all from the same organization playing their power trip games. It's time for men to stop using women for evil. It's nothing new. Marilyn Monroe had to deal with it back in the day. I imagine Cleopatra probably had to do it back in the day too. It's time for men to rise up and treat women with dignity like Mr. Krauss did. We had a cyclical program that was self-funding that added value to the district that helped get more parents to vote and pay for the schooling opportunities for us as children because a teacher sacrificed many hours he could have spent with his own children because he believed in something greater for his community and the world. He is the ultimate role model that all of these political leaders that have lost their way have forgotten about. It's time for men, especially white men, to step up and respect women. I am so grateful for my husband and his friends that stepped in to help me when they did not know me. time for their predecessor that's on an opposing political team that was trained by my husband to leave me alone. And to apologize for all of the thefts for the two years I have been dealing with while also still continuing to do what I was called to do, I would be able to bring in so much more revenue to my nation that would benefit more people if they would leave my family alone. Even if I never got any revenue, I will still continue doing it because no one, no one will stop you 
And the Creator has called you to do something. The Creator has made all kinds of things happen because I have been obedient and I will continue being obedient, shifting directions, going exactly where I believe the Creator desires for me to go to bring more love in this world. I'm incredibly grateful for all of it. I'm incredibly grateful for those that are challenging me, testing me, stealing from me, because you're making me a stronger human being. When women rise in leadership by earning it, not by sleezing their way up to the top when they have earned it, families are transformed, communities are transformed because we don't just think about ourselves We think about how other families can be positively impacted. I'm so incredibly grateful that I live in a nation where I can speak as a woman and not have my head chopped off or my hands chopped off. There are some nations that will shoot you in the head for being a woman that speaks out a line. I'm grateful for where I grew up because you don't get a choice in where you grow up. You don't get a choice in who your family is that you're born with, I should say, your blood family. But as you become an adult, you do get to choose who you surround yourself with. And I am learning every day how to make good decisions on who to surround myself with. While my husband is away. Because of these political games, it's time time for the men to stop playing the games and to allow families to be united again. There was this news briefing that I watched a couple nights ago. Hundreds of families are being separated right now. And it hurts because I know firsthand that it's lies. I know firsthand they have to have a target, they have to have someone that they're going to blame 
because their ego is in question. This one woman in particular, her husband has been gone for, I think, 15 months, and she's got two young boys she's got to take care of while her husband's been falsely arrested. And it's something that, it's not anything new. My brothers and sisters that are of a darker skin tone, especially my brothers, have had to deal with a lot of false charges for centuries. It's time for my Caucasian brothers to step up and do the right thing. Not just think about yourself and your own immediate family, but to think about how many other families can you positively impact I was listening to a motivational video yesterday from Oprah, and I love listening to her voice. I've listened to her or watched her show. I've known about her since I was 11 years old, maybe 10. That was right when she was getting charged uh, with a lawsuit from the cow industry because of a comment that she had made because she was such a powerful force on television and she made a comment about the cows being fed to the other cows and the disease that there was no accountability I stopped eating beef as a child from what she said because she had a positive influence on me and I cared about health and diseases because my father had been diagnosed with cancer and I've always been extremely concerned about being healthy. It's just, I have an old soul and that's just me. And she was listening or she was speaking on this uh, motivational video yesterday about different leaders that she has looked up to and the history of them. And one thing that I learned from her audio yesterday was that uh, Rosa Parks says she, you know, she's a famous woman that stood up, made sure she didn't go to the back of the bus, uh, whatnot. If you don't know the history of it, like black people in the United States were forced to sit in the back of the bus. She refused and stayed in the front. So she actually had a death threat put on her life for standing up against injustice and it encouraged me because in 2020 I was off the grid because there was a death threat from two different people when you stand up for something when you lean into your calling you might have spiritual attacks or actual physical realm attacks. 
And the one that was the credible threat is the one that has been continually benefiting for two years from the predecessor that was trained from my husband. This Caucasian man needs to step up and put a stop to it. He's the only person that could correct his own wrong. And if he doesn't correct his wrong, he might not see it, but he is impacting his family, his wife, and his kids. Because we're all interconnected. When people use you, they will use you until you're no longer of value if they are takers. are givers and takers in this world and I am a giver and my husband is also a giver but he is protective of his family as am I we desire to bring peace love and harmony to the world and I imagine the hundreds of people that have been falsely arrested around our nation that they also desire to bring peace, love, and harmony. That they are victims. I imagine many of them are victims of personification of cyber warfare and just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's time for women to step up that are the spouses of these Caucasian men to have conversations in your private time to ask yourself, do you want to be known as a wife of a man that separated someone else's family? We've all been called to work together. We all have gifts, skill sets, areas of genius, areas of weakness. And the weakness is where we come together because your weakness might be my strength and me helping you with my area of strength and your area of weakness helps build a bond of trust I'm so incredibly grateful that a Caucasian man in my community 
that is a leader responsible for many people allowed me the space and the time to speak about something that would add value but also would be a service for me to offer while my husband is away. I offered it as a free service. And his response back was, if we get this approved, we're going to pay you for it. We just have to make sure that it gets approved and that it's safe, something safe for people because it's mental health related. And that the lawyers allow us to do it and whatnot. I leaned into my calling. I believed that the creator called me to do this and that the timing was right. And it's not approved yet, but it's progress. And had this Caucasian man written me off, it wouldn't be moving forward. And it might not be able to move forward because they might not get approval. I don't expect anything. I'm doing my part. I'm stepping up to, to use my gifts, my area of genius. I have been called to help empower people to find happiness from within. And I can do it in a short amount of time with someone. And I have a greater impact if I have more time with them, just like you have a greater impact if you're able to spend more time in your area of genius. Do what it is that you've been called to do and ask if you're not in a leadership position. Ask if there is a way for you to add value. They potentially, if they get approved, they potentially are going to create a new role for me. When I initially was offering it to do it on my day off, as a free service to my community because I really care about helping people. Your voice has power. Your area of genius should not be wasted. I encourage you, especially if you are a young woman listening to the show or any aged woman, if you have a gift, a skill set that you desire to do, start doing it. Start writing down all of the things that you need in order to move forward and write down what is Number one, what's my priority number one to focus on? And do that today. I encourage you. Because it will bring more joy to you if you are leaning into how you were designed. I am working on not getting overly excited about the first yes. 
because it might turn into a not approved. Um, my husband helped me to not get overly excited about things because if we get let down, then it might create a level of sadness. So I am grateful for the time that I was allowed being a base level employee to speak to top level leadership that are responsible for all the employees they gave of their time. That to me already tells me it's a good, healthy culture if they have an open door policy. If you are a woman listening to this, I believe the creator has something specific for you to change your world around you for the better. Maybe you're called to be the next designer cake boss. Maybe you're designed to be the tutor that helps train the students to get into the AP program in high school. Maybe you're called to be the nail technician of the year. Whatever it is that you have been called to do, trust it. Trust your gut, trust your intuition, and take action today. Thank you so much for listening to the show. For those of you that have been a part of the journey for a while, you might know about the Listening Room Competition. For those of you that are brand new to the show, um, our Listening Room Contest is a safe space for us to, a fun space I should say, for us to release First of the World, release music for you, um, to say thank you to you for helping to grow the brand Move Happy, um, helping to expand it. A way for us to say thanks to you. So I release uh, original music in this experience, and I will invite some of my guest musician friends to it. Our first level tier uh, downloads number we'll send invites to is when we hit 10,000 downloads. You can check from any computer or laptop at any time, 24/7. Check where we're at with the downloads. We just got over the 40% mark. You can check at themovehappy.podbean.com that's T-H-E-M-O-V-E-H-A-P-P-Y dot P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com and check where we're at share it with a friend uh, if, if we added any value to you today on this show it would mean the world to us if you would share it on social media uh, we cannot at this time accept any payment for purchases on either the website Move Happy or our nonprofit arm. We can't donate um, because unfortunately these political games had our bank account shut down. But when we get a new bank account added to it, we'll let you know. But for now, uh, you can help us by spreading the word around, um, sharing the links with people, sharing it with a friend, um, encouraging maybe your neighbor that's really good at cutting grass. Maybe they should do it for a professional living and help to add revenue to their family and their community and whatnot, and which will ultimately have them pay more taxes to the government and it helps everybody everywhere. Um, whatever it is that 
added value to you, maybe write a couple of sentences, tag us on social media. Um, as soon as the Judas in our circle corrects the wrong, we'll start posting on social again, um, but feel free to, to share and, and get our attention on social media if you so choose and desire, uh, but only if we really truly added value to you. If you know a woman in leadership that would appreciate this episode specifically, it would mean the world if you would send it in her direction. Thank you so much. I love you guys. Don't forget to tell someone you love them today. And we'll see you next time.